Hey y'all, it's Dion, and you're now tuned in to the Black People Parenting Podcast, a unique space where black folks have conversations about raising black children. I appreciate you spending time with us today. And if you're listening to us and you're anything like me, then you know that co-parenting can sometimes be one of the hardest parts of raising children. Trying to navigate emotions, working with someone else's schedule, communicating with someone that you may not even see eye to eye with, compromising, figuring out where the kids are going to go for the holidays. Man, it can be a lot. Well, on this episode of Black People Parenting, my co-host, Dr. Tiffany Wiggins and I, we sit down with two guests, Tanisha Zoa and Carl Macklin. Tanisha is the biological mother of five boys, and her story is unique because each of her sons has a different father, and her level of co-parenting is different with each of them. Now, Carl, on the other hand, is the single father of a 15-year-old son, and he's trying to navigate the co-parenting space with a woman he's known since college. Carl's co-parenting relationship had been fine until recently. He talks to us about how things between parents can change drastically at a moment's notice. During this conversation, we talk about what co-parenting is and what we all think it should be. We each have a different perspective on co-parenting, but we all agree that the children should always come first. This is truly a dope conversation that I think we all can take something from. So sit back, relax, as we get into the latest episode of the Black People Parenting Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Black People Parenting. Of course, it's me, Showtime. Some people know me as Showtime. Some people know me as Dion. Whatever you call me, just know that I am a Black person as parenting, and I'm happy to be here. Now, this is the first episode of Black People Parenting with uh, my new co-host. Kind of my new co-host. Like she's like she's not new to the Black People Parenting circle, but this is the first episode that we are doing together uh she's helped me coordinate some of the episodes if you're part of the black people parenting uh facebook group and community you know her as one of the h a i c head admins in charge (laughs) it goes by the name of dr tiffany wiggins dr wiggins hello ma'am hey y'all how's it going going pretty good good to see you here uh this episode of the show is about co-parenting so we're going to talk about uh co-parenting we have some guests they're going to talk about their co-parenting experiences and their co-parenting journey and we thought that this was an important conversation to have because uh tiff and i both have experiences as co-parents and i think we did a room on clubhouse a couple of months ago and we realized that our experience as co-parents were totally different right like i come from a totally different at one point more uh hostile more volatile more <laughs> uh anger more uh you know just more stuff just more stuff right tip stuff. yeah mm-hmm. this stuff is a little bit more controlled and you know they buy each other's gifts on father's day and mother's day oh, and yeah. they do all sorts of cool stuff for each other and just you know they're they're, they're on really really good terms and if yeah. i will get into it but I just don't come from that. So we decided that this would be a great episode because everyone's co-parenting journey is not the same, right? Everyone comes from a different um, background when it comes uh, comes to co-parenting, just like your life experience, like your experience as a co-parent, your experience with um, parenting a child or children with someone uh, who you know you are not necessarily married to, or you're not still married to, or you're not in a relationship with any longer, or you're not even on the same page. Uh, with when it comes to certain things. It can pose some challenges, it can pose some obstacles, um, but there's also room, I always feel like there's also room for um, areas of growth. And I think this is gonna be an episode where we can talk about not just um, the struggles of co-parenting, but also 
uh, the growth that comes with co-parenting and, and having to look within yourself to kind of find and search for certain things. So it's going to be a really cool episode. Looking forward to talking uh, to our guests. I'll let them introduce themselves. Tiffany, did you have anything, have anything you wanted to add on before I yeah, only thing I was gonna add, like like Dion said, um, yes, our experiences are very different. But I think the fact that we've been talking about the idea or the concept of co-parenting within like the black community, I don't know that we talk about it enough. There's this, I don't know, um, perception that you know, co-parenting really is one parent has a kid and the other one you know comes in and out or may not be may not even be present. So um, I think it's dope that we're having this conversation next, you know, go beyond what we talked about in Clubhouse, but then also having two guests here um, who can bring their perspectives and their experiences so we can kind of continue that conversation. And hopefully, you know, my goal for sure is that somebody's going to connect to at least one of us um, in terms of their co-parenting or their or co-parenting journey. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, FTK before the kids, right? So we yeah, for the kids. Sure, for the kids. Um, we just want to make sure that you know we're having conversations and that we're giving people resources and advice and perspective so that they can make the best decisions for their family unit and for their their kids. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, without any further any further ado, let's introduce our guests. Ladies first. Um, this is someone that I've known for a very long time, probably over ten years. Uh, I'm going to let her introduce herself. I'm going to let her tell us. Um, well, let's just introduce yourself. Tell them your name, please, ma'am. <laughs> My name is Tani Shazoa. Um, I am an author. Um, I've written three books. I actually have a co-parenting book out. Um, I pretty much wrote that book when I didn't have anybody to co-parent with. Father was absent. So I just wrote what it was supposed to look like. Um, I'm a mom of five biological kids, um, but I have six total in my house. And yeah, just rocking it out over here. They're all boys. So fun mm, stuff. Mm, mm, mm. Five dirty boys. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just hit the nail on the head, Dion, because I just got finished doing laundry and you get a whip or something and you're like, oh my God. Five funky, stinky boys that. Just don't want to bathe. I'm sure they think. Okay, we'll come. We'll come back to that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll come back to that. Okay, and our next guest, uh, this gentleman is also uh, a co-parent. I want him to kind of talk to us about introduce yourself and tell us who he is. Uh, Carl, go to introduce yourself, sir. Yes, I appreciate everybody. I'm Carl Macklin, um, a member of Black People Parenting Facebook group. Um, so much good content there, you know, on a daily basis. So really enjoy that. Um, a parent of one. Um, I have one 15-year-old son uh, who uh, pretty, you know, for sure pretty stinky, but I only have one of them. So obviously, you know, it's a little bit easier for me to kind of manage uh, manage our propensity to just not want to take baths. I don't know why we're that way. Um, <laughs> uh, but Definitely a co-parent, a uh, 15 year co-parent, um, if you will. So I'm excited to kind of talk through that and talk a little bit about my experience and hopefully gain some more tools from my toolbox because I, I, I need some help. Dope, dope, dope. All right. So let's 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 kind of start the questions for both of you guys. I want to know and Tiff and, uh, Tiff and I both want to know uh, from you guys what your story is as far as your co-parenting story. Um, Tanisha, you said you have five boys. Uh, yes. Carl, you have one. Uh, but like we said earlier, everyone's co-parenting journey is different. And let, let me say this. We handpicked both of you guys to be on the show because we know that both of you all have 
uh, interesting co-parenting stories and journeys that as uh, uh, Tanisha, you have documented your stuff. Uh, like you said, you wrote a book about it. And I think people can gain a lot of um, insight into what it is like to co-parent and, you know, kind of see some reflection in in all of our stories, like Tiff said. So uh, let's start with both of you. Start with uh, Tanisha. What is your co-parenting story? Uh, you already told us that you have five boys, but just tell us, like, what is your story? So my story is um, unique, very unique. Um, a lot of people will probably be ashamed to tell this on this platform, but I'm not. I have five kids with five different men. So my oldest son's father, we were married, didn't work out. He is um, overseas, he's in France. So we co-parent, we get along, but he's just not here. He, his visa ran out and we got divorced and he went back home. So he has not seen his son in probably about five years. Um, and he, that's starting, I'm starting to see effects on him with that. Um, I do have a, a, my, my boyfriend here that that's pretty much took these kids in and embraced them like they're, you know, his own. However, it's still just not the same like having your own biological parent, you know, because your parent, your texture, your parent, your parents basically have they have your identity. So, you know, they need to know their fathers or whatever and bond with their fathers. Kids need both parents. Um, I also have a <clears throat> my next son, um, his dad is He's been in and out, he's seven now, and we just still have not got to a good place. Um, so, I mean, we'll probably elaborate on that more. I'm pretty sure you guys will have questions about that later. Then my middle two boys, um, they do not have their dads. Their dads do not see them. One of them have not met their dads, don't wanna be involved. Um, the other one, he probably has seen his dad three times, and he's five now. And then my youngest son, um, we're in the same household together, whatever. So um, we're together. So he sees his dad every day. Okay. So that's my story. Okay. All right, Carl. What about you? Um, so I met my son's uh, my son's mother back in uh, college. I was about to graduate. Uh, she's a couple of years older than me. Um, so she was kind of you know starting to kind of really establish herself. Uh, we just kind of smashed together, you know, in life. I think at that point, you know, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a you can't just say that. You just yeah, okay, when you're talking okay, about right. a co-parent, I, my mind went somewhere totally different. But okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe it was just me. Okay. So all of wherever all of you went is is correct. Got it. Um, okay, just like we smashed together in life. In life, you try to get philosophical with it. Okay, biblically, um, but but just you know. I mean, that was kind of my first real relationship experience. And so we literally met and we're just glued to each other like every day, pretty much after that. Um, and, and he was not far behind. Um, but I think that, um, you know, we, we, we didn't have a real relationship. So we went from just really knowing each other to now we're parents, mm -hmm. you know, now we're buying a house and now we're doing all of these grown up things. But I don't know that we're really grown ups yet. I know that I'm not. Um, but he's here now. Right. And that just, you know, you kind of think that having a child adds some stickiness to it, but all it really does is compound all the things that you really don't know. It just makes those things worse. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, we struggled with that a lot for, for many, many years. Um, and then at some point, uh, when he was probably around six, you know, we just decided to separate and co-parent. Um, and, lived a couple minutes from each other you know it went really 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 well uh 
very actually pretty decent experience up until recently. And we'll get into that shortly. Yeah. Tell you why I'm just wilding out here now. <laughs> well, no, we, we we can't have you out here wilding, Carl. We can't do that. We, I can't I can't have the brothers out here wilding. That's 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 not what you want to do. I, I'm a, I'm a a living witness and testament that wilding ain't where it's at. That's not yeah. it. Uh, Tiff, why don't we tell our story? Since you and yeah. I are kind of like the the genesis of this particular episode, uh, you go ahead and tell your co-parenting journey, and I will uh, elaborate some on mine. Yeah, I think it's um, interesting, funny to to say that honestly, this episode was supposed to start <laughs> or supposed to be me and my co-parent mm -hmm. um, being the guest, so to speak, of this, um, because I do feel like I have a pretty good co-parenting relationship. Um, and to be honest, like it was not always that way. Um, we have a daughter, she's nine years old. Um, this was someone who I was in a long-term relationship with. So we were together just under eight years um, when we broke up and our daughter was probably about five at that time. And um, yeah, I kind of ended pretty suddenly and I was in Virginia, he moved back to DC. And um, honestly, I just, I didn't know how it was gonna go. Um, I assumed he would, well, I wanted him to stay involved because he and my daughter have a pretty good relationship. But, you know, sometimes feelings get in the mix of things when people break up and, and it impacts the children, unfortunately, but luckily it did not. Um, he and I did not necessarily get along in the beginning. Um, you know, communication was primarily via like emails and text messages, um, but he still showed up, you know, like he still continued to be her dad. Um, so, and then over time, I think as the emotions of the relationship kind of left, you know, kind of got out of the mix of things, um, things between he and I got better. So um, four years later, you know, I have moved to North Carolina. He's still in DC. He's married, um, has a baby on the way. You know, I'm over here living my life. So, you know, we have, you know, grown and, and went on to do our own things. But, you know, our daughter still remains um, priority number one. Um, he will come from DC to, to North Carolina pretty often, probably like twice a month, at least to come see her. Um, she spends, you know, the majority of the summer with him. She just got back from spending time with him this summer. So, um, and then around the holidays, we figured that piece out too. But we make it work and we just communicate. And I think keeping her center um, is is what helps that. So um, I think, you know, I tried to be very clear in the beginning, like, yeah, we had our own stuff, but like, that's not really what I'm here for. You know what I mean? Like I can put that to the side to make mm -hmm. sure our daughter's good. Yeah. Um, so, I think that helped and was it was it easy by no means um but i think that helped us get to where we are so like dion said yes we're at a place now where you know we can have decent conversations and we can you know text one another about certain things or he gives me mother's day gifts i give him father's day gifts etc um yes. <laughs> but you know it, it works. things are very zen over there like it's very so oh it's a God. very peaceful <laughs> Calm situation. I mean, for the for the most part, I right. would say that. Right, right. So, I get it. I get um, it. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Dion? Well, um, my journey is similar to Carl's. Um, my 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 oldest daughter. I have two children. My daughter is seventeen, and uh, my son is three. Uh, so my seventeen-year-old, her daughter, and I met when I was twenty-two, maybe twenty-two. Her mother. Yeah. What did I say? Her daughter. I'm sorry. No, no, definitely not that. Her mother and I met, I'm sorry, when uh, I was about 22 years old. We dated for three months. Um, she ended up getting pregnant. 
Um, we ended up splitting up when she was about six months pregnant. Um, and I just decided that it wasn't really, it just wasn't right. Like it was, it wasn't really where I wanted to be, but I wasn't going to not be a part of my child's life. Right. So I decided when my daughter was born that I was always going to be, um, a part of her life, regardless of what the circumstances were, you know what I mean? Um, so my daughter was, uh, one, her mother moved from Virginia where we live down to Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and we were doing like the every other weekend visitation. And I tell people all the time, like the first six years of my daughter's life, um, her mother and I, we were in court every summer, like without fail. You know, I was fighting for visitation. I was fighting for, uh, 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 the, the right to be able to talk to my daughter on the phone. At one point I was fighting for the right to be able to just, you know, do all sorts of things. But every summer, like clockwork, we found ourselves in court. Um, and it was a very, uh, very hostile situation. It was, it was, it was one of those. It was, it was one of those. I didn't had the police called on me, uh, for no reason. I didn't had, uh, 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 child protective services come to my home with reports of abuse. Um, erroneously, um, you, you name it. I didn't been through it. Right. Um, so that, that journey then led me to say, all right, well, I'm tired of being a part from my daughter when she was when she was six years old, maybe when she was going into kindergarten, when she was going. So what's that? Six. Five, that's five. When she was five years old. Um, so I moved from where I was living in Virginia down here to Raleigh in 2010. And um, just because I wanted to be closer to her. And even with me moving here, the relationship between her mother and I was still very rough. It was still very rocky. Um, her mother ended up getting married and having another child. And, you know, I just think that, you know, when 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 when, when communication isn't there, I think Tiffany said it earlier, when you don't have the ability to communicate or you don't have the desire to communicate as an adult, then things, you know, things can blow up like small things become gigantic. Um, and I just think that was our issue. Looking back now, I think that was our issue. Like we didn't, neither of us knew how to effectively communicate um, our desires and, and, and what our wants were for our child. Like we, we, we both may have very well had the best interest of our child in mind. Um, but we didn't know how to communicate those things, right? Because there was always tension. It was always just rah, rah, rah. Like, I'm going to get the best of you and you're not going to get the best of me. And da, 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 da. Um, and it wasn't until recently, maybe my daughter's 17, maybe three years ago, maybe three and a half years ago, where like all of the beef just like it just stopped. Like, I just woke up one day and it was just over. Like, no explanation there was no like no conversation no like hey this is what we're it just stopped and now we're at the point where you know like tiff and her um her daughter's uh, uh, father you know we have conversations we'll laugh and joke like you would think that we like we never went through anything right like if you hear us talking now or see us like like outside of a store or something talking like you would think that there's there was never any any type of negative history between us and i think that's the way that it should be right and i think but i think it get, it, it takes a while for a lot of us to get to that point um to understand that like it ain't about me it ain't about you it's about what are we doing for these babies like what are we doing for these kids like what do we do to be in in the best put these kids in the best possible situation they can be in like okay you don't like me i don't like you that's cool but we got a child to raise. We got kids to raise, um, and they need every, they need their emotional support. And it wasn't until later on um, in my daughter's life that I realized the effect. Because I'm thinking that you know, again, we'll get into this later. But I'm thinking that as a father, I'm there. I'm doing everything. I moved here. I, da -da 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 -da, I did this. I did that. Um, but I, I never took into consideration what effect the relationship between me and her mom 
when it was at its when at it at, at its worst. I never took into account what effect that was having on my daughter. Right. Uh, my thing was, oh, I never talked mad. I never talked bad about her around. You know what I mean? But my energy was different, and kids pick up on that type of stuff. So even if you don't, so right? Even if you don't say something, like your energy is different, and they pick up on that. So it's now it's like I'm looking back and regretting some of those things, and and just thinking about all those moments that I lost for 14 years just because me and her mom were just like always at odds. You know what I mean? And I think that's just you know that's a part of the journey. It's a part of growing up, and it's just something that you learn um, along the way. You know what I mean? I don't think that anyone was right. I don't think anyone was wrong. I just think we just had um, different <clears throat> perspectives. And yeah. th those perspectives, you know, kind of played out in our relationship with each other. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, one day it just kind of dissipated because I feel like that happened in my situation, even though it happened, happened much earlier. Mm -hmm. um, but I just remember in the beginning there being communication between us. Like I said, it was mostly text messages and, and emails and I got to the point where I was just like, whatever I would ask him or say to him, I was just like ready for him to like <laughs> go off or yeah. say something negative or whatever. Right. Um, and then this one day I sent him a question or something, a text. And he was just kind of like, okay. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> what is happening here? Mm -hmm. And I was still like on high alert for a long time. And so finally I was like, okay, like we have turned a corner, you know, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm still going to kind of like watch my back, but it, it just kind of happened that way. Um, and another thing I wanted to touch on too was this idea of like the effect that it has on the kids. And I know we can go on that more um, in depth, but one day I just remember, like I said, my daughter was always the focus. And I just remember one day, you know, her father and I were in the same room and she was there and she was just like, you know, doing her thing, living her life. And I was just like, she is at peace with us being in the same room and being okay. Like I just, that was always a fear that I had that mm -hmm. she, we get to a place where she's like, you know, oh God, I don't want them in the same room. They, you know what I mean? Like we can't be, um, we can't exist um, or coexist in a peaceful way. And me just kind of sitting back and looking at it one day and I was like, okay, like this is, this is good. You know, like she can have her mom, she can have her dad knowing, you know, the circumstances and, and not create any sort of anxiety or, um, you know, high emotions on her side. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, and 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 I want to know what um, Tanisha and Carl have to say about um, this next question. But just I want to, you said something, Tiff, like about it just going away. Like I remember the moment that it happened. Mm -hmm. Like, and and the crazy part is that it happened for us when we were leaving child support court. Right, right. we were walking out of the door of child support court, and she made a joke, and I laughed, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> and it was just. Like, and it was just like oh, oops, just everything was gone. Everything was wow. gone. I mean, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Like I held the door open for us. We were walking out of the court. <laughs> like, that's that again, based on our previous relationship, our history, that's not the type of things that we do. Right. right? We don't hold doors open for each other. We try to slam them in each other's face. Let me get out of here real quick. So like, <laughs> you feel me? Like, let me make sure I have to say thank you. Like, let me right. like, we don't do those things. But so I guess, you know, it's it's all a part of growth. It's all a part of, you know, coming into your own as an adult. Uh, so, Carl, let me ask you, what do you think makes a successful co-parenting relationship? Um, well, I think some of the things that y'all touched on again, uh, which I think is a common a common theology is that you have to put the kids first. Uh, there has to be some common agreement and understanding that um we're not going to see things the same. 
what's in the best interest of the child, go from there. Um, for example, you know, a, a relevant example is, you know, the COVID shot, right? Mm. You know, you have people who stand on very opposite ends of that. You know, uh, historically, uh, we didn't do vaccines with him. Uh, and so we're at, you know, we're at this crossroads now where we had to make a decision. Um, and those types of little things can often drive a bigger wedge if one is already there. And I think just what's important is just figuring out what's best for the kid. And then if you if you're doing that enough, and you're practicing that enough, like showing up for like his all his games and his activities, all these things that he, you know, that he does. We both show up, you know, we're able to be in the same space with each other. It can be a little awkward, but we're able to do it because it's about him. Right. So I literally got an email from her the other day because I make her email me. Don't text me. Email me. Okay. Don't text me. I will block you. Okay. That's the yeah. that's the I need proof in case we ever go to court. That's, that's, there you go. Send it to me an email and right. you'll get an answer when I feel like it. But, um, I don't miss them days. I do not miss them days at all. But um, you know, he had parent night for school uh and his first soccer practice on the same night. So she was like, Hey, listen, you know we both have to decide which one of these we need to be at. I'll be at one, you be at the other, you pick that kind of thing. And just, you know, you just kind of take those small opportunities to just have some cohesion. Um, and honestly, the outside of that boundaries, her, the biggest issue between her and I were boundaries. Uh, there were never really clear cut boundaries. We didn't have rules in the sense of even like child support. Like we had an agreement and I've always been probably responsible and I've always taken care of him and taken care of her at times because in my mind, that's his mom. And I, you know, she, her car can't be messed up because she needs mm -hmm. to take him to school. So I would do these things, right. That I thought were the right thing to do, but those things didn't translate for her into any kind of co-parented currency at all. She, I would sooner get her car fixed. And the next day she'd tell me to kiss her ass. Mm. I'm like, okay. Well, you know, so that, that caused some, you know, some some issues right um but i didn't set the boundary up i was just doing things that i thought were the right things to do um so once we were able to establish those boundaries that that helped um so i just think that putting the kid first and having very clear boundaries which unfortunately sometimes have to come court supported is the right thing to do i think that that's step one and two um mm -hmm. and everything else will kind of fall in line after that so uh tanisha what you think yeah, I'm going to, um, well, I have three things. The first one, I'm going to piggyback off of what Tiffany said, FTK, for the kids. Whatever is in the best interest of the child, that's what you need to focus on. Number two, worrying about what the child is doing versus the parent. You know, sometimes we still have feelings and then we want to work, oh, he has a new girlfriend. I don't want anybody around my kid, blah, blah, blah. Listen, listen, you got an active parent. That's all you need to be concerned about. You know, it'll, you guys will come to that place where, you know, you'll cross that bridge and you'll be introduced, et cetera. However, you guys want to work it out. But you can't focus on that. You will, like, go crazy trying to figure out what's going on. Oh, he moved on so quickly. My child is like, listen, that's not the primary focus. So that's that. A <laughs> that's a word. I can't wait for you to lob that back over here at some point in this <laughs> oh, I'll make it all the faces. Seriously, guys. Like, she, popped the, she popped the churchman in. Yeah. I did. So <laughs> that's the biggest thing. Like, you can't be so consumed with what the other parent is doing, especially if they're active. That's pretty much all I care about about them being active. Uh, when I first became a co parent or found myself in a co parent situation, I wasn't concerned about 
you know, who they were dating, et cetera. I was concerned about, listen, we have this child. We need to, we need to split the time 50, 50, if it's feasible. And we also, I also need your financial help. Cause I didn't make this kid on my own. And the third thing I would say, just to piggyback off of what Carl said, like, you have to have something in writing. You have to have something black and white with some parents boundaries, go get that custody order. Go get that support if you need that support. You know, we're not going to just go put a parent on child support because we're bitter that it's over and they've moved on. We're not going to do that. We should not be doing that. But if it's a situation where you find like, hey, like I know or if you guys have an agreement where you have the child 50 percent of the time and you're busting down all the finances and then they do the same. If you guys can be come to that type of agreement and it be amicable, that's good. But other than that, like those three things I've, I've had to live by, like. I want to I want to I want to ask something because Tanisha and uh, forgive me I, I, every now and then I want to call you Abby. It's um, fine. You can call me Abby too. <laughs> okay, so for, let, let, you you said something and I've seen you've posted something that made me that made me think about what you just said. I want to talk about the fact that some people, particularly men, feel intimidated by the court system, right? So when you talk about getting things um uh, on paper, Mm -hmm. um and, and and setting those boundaries like for me in my situation i was one of those ones who 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 said that okay i'm not i'm not gonna fuss and fight with you i ain't gonna go back and forth with you i'm gonna go downtown and we're gonna let these people handle it like yep. from 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 day three that's what it was like we're gonna we're gonna let them handle it like i ain't i ain't even gonna go back i only gotta talk to you like call say send me an email I don't, don't email. pick the phone just email me real quick but I've had conversations with some men and I've even been in situations myself that made me say, like, they make it hard. They make it hard for you to go down here. Right. I tell people all the time it's easier to go to the courts and say, I don't want to be a part of my child's life anymore. I relinquish all of my uh, 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 parental responsibilities than it is for them for, for a man to go down here and say, I want to be 50 50 uh, custody in my child's life. What would both of you say to someone who has struggled with, uh, I guess, having belief in the system, right? Because I, I'll tell yeah. anybody, the system ain't designed for men to actually be active and to want to be a part of their children's life. I'm living proof of it. It's not designed for us. Uh, what would you say about men who struggle with that and say, OK, well, I, I you know, I want to do I want to do that. But if I take off of work, it's going to take me eight hours to go downtown and fill out the paperwork and do this and do that. I can't take off of work because I got to pay child support. If I don't pay child support, I'm going to jail. If I go to jail, I can't see my kid. If I can't see my kid. It's going to be, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. almost like a hamster wheel of trying to do what's right, but also trying to do what um, almost makes what's logical in the situation. Right. So what would you all say for someone who struggles with that in a co-parenting situation, trying to figure out what to do um, when they feel like they don't have any help? I feel like if it's because I just I was just debating with somebody about this today. I feel like if it's done prematurely, you won't have these issues. I feel like if you're there from from day one, I feel like you won't have those issues. I feel like if you're active, you're around, you keep your receipts. Hey, I want to see my kid. The first moment you see the controversy, you file. Listen, it looks I think, feel like it looks better if you go down there as a man and say, look, I want to put myself on child support. I want to file for joint custody. Because I don't want to deal with arguing, bickering, et cetera. My kid is first priority. So if that means I gotta wait three months for a court date to be away from my child so I can get I can get something in paper, then I'm gonna make that sacrifice to do that. I think where what happens is men sit and they wait 
and they wait and they wait, you know, a year go by and it's drama, two years go by and it's drama. Then they finally get with the woman, right? Because the right woman that comes in your life is going to push you to be active in that kid's life. Listen, we're not dealing with that drama. We're going to file for paperwork. You can't see your kid. What you mean you can't see your kid? You're a parent too. You have equal rights to that child, right? So you, sometimes it takes that woman and it put, to put that battery in that man's back to go down there and say, hey, look, I'm standing up for my child. This is what I want. Now, unfortunately, in situations like that, I do agree with you. It may not be designed for the fathers. That's why I say you got to get a jump on this early. Don't sit around and say, I ain't dealing with that. I'm just going to pay my money and I'm done where I'm tired of the drama. No, at the first sign of controversy, you need to be down there. Make that sacrifice. Take the time off to go down there and file the paperwork. Listen, I help men do that every day. They reach out to me. Look, because I, I filed for custody of all my kids by myself and got custody. I didn't have an attorney except for one. And that's because the father is extremely wealthy and I want to make sure, you know what I'm saying, I wasn't going to get my butt handed to me in the court in the courtroom, especially since he hadn't been active or whatever. And when we went to court, my son was three. But I filed that paperwork. Listen, they don't help you. I went in there. At first, I got it right. I got it wrong. Nope, this is wrong. They don't tell you what's wrong. Go over there, fix it, and come back, and we'll file it again. Listen, I went in there 11 times. On the 11th time, I finally got all the paperwork right, and I just kind of memorized it. And I was like, oh, I got this. So I filed for all the custody of my kids. I also did it for another reason, right? Because to protect my kids, because I don't want my kids to get to an age 12, 13 years old. They start asking me questions, and then I'm like, well, you know, this is who your father is. You know, they opted to not be around. And guess what? I have it in black and white that they had access to you. They opted not to have this access. That's going to protect me. I don't want my child to be 13 years old and the father come around. Well, I had a tough relationship with your mom. Like, I ain't, she didn't want me around. No. This says you had access. This mm -hmm. says that you opted mm -hmm. not to be there. Mm -hmm. Get him. So that's what I would say in a situation like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Carl, what you think? Wow, I mean, that's first of all, that's 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 powerful stuff. That's a lot of effort uh, uh, just to get you know things in order. And, um, and you know, in the words of the of the poets, the Migos, and that would be straight but straightening. Okay, you gotta straighten yourself the, out. Wait, wait, wait. The poets, the Migos, the poets, the Migos, the the, the, the prophet Quavo, but straight. Okay. <laughs> Give you some straightening in your life, okay? So, but I do agree. So here's the thing. Can I hold on one second? Can I say that I'm sure there are a lot of podcasts out there, parenting podcasts. I don't think any parenting podcast has ever mentioned the Migos and I would bet my house on that. Continue, sir. This is black people parenting. Listen, but now um, you know. A couple of things, you know, most court systems aren't really designed to do what's best for a black child, right? That's just a fact. Um, they're, they're not designed to say what's going to be in the best interest of this child emotionally and psychologically. Their job is to <clears throat> set boundaries, set things in order, uh, right? So, I think there will always be a stigma associated with anyone that looks like me having to go to the court system for help. They're not designed, this designed to help me. Okay. 
Um, now, one of the things that, you know, is important, though, is that there's certain things called mommy states. And mommy states are states where the courts are kind of designed to just benefit the mom no matter what. They're just it's just designed that way. I, if I'm not mistaken, North Carolina is not one of those. So they really strip it down and they don't have any kind of preferential treatment for the mom. There's no automatic decisions based on the mom or anything like that. So, you know, understand that that can work to your advantage. Um, but, you know, the idea that <clears throat> um, getting those things in order, however you decide to do it, is so critically important. Uh, you know, for my son's mom and I, you know, we we just went to a notary. We had a document drawn up. We went to a notary. Um, that was kind of our first step. So you don't always even have to jump to the courts. You don't have to go yeah. straight. Down. You can go get something drawn up that both of you agree to, especially if both of you are you know, willing to do what's right and come to some kind of agreement. You can get a notary to sign it, and that's as good as gold. So, you know, understand that, you know, it doesn't always take you having to go downtown because nobody enjoys that. The parking is bad. You got to go through security. Who wants to go? Hot. It smells bad. It's hot, you know, and it's, that's, it's no fun. Um, so, you know, understand that, you know, there, there are other steps first that you can take. And that's what we did. We always had an agreement on file. To Tanisha's point, though, I think what's key, and this was what probably saved me, is that I've always been responsible. I've always made sure that whatever obligation was, was needed, I took care of it. I took care of obligations that weren't mine. Um, I understood that, you know, that again, that, you know, being there for him was all I really cared about. And I didn't want anything to get in the way of me being able to be at his soccer games, be at all his awards, pick him up when I get ready. Um, at one point, we, the, we had a very loose kind of relationship in the sense that, you know, if I wanted to go pick him up, I would just call him like, hey, I, I'm going to come pick him up today. It's my off day, but I'm going to pick him up anyway. No problem. And that's still OK with her. But we did we did need some straightening. We needed some straight. Yeah, we needed some boundaries. Yeah, um, but we all we always had kind of a core agreement. I mean, we would literally come up with a schedule ourselves mm-hmm. and go and have it notarized every year. This is a schedule. The holiday thing was very easy for us. Thanksgiving meant more to her family than it did to mine. They did kind of a big old thing, so she always did the Thanksgiving thing. You know, I always picked him up on Christmas Day, and he usually was with me through the New Year. You know, so we've always been able to have those things that are kind of in place that don't really require a lot. Um, but we did get to a place where a trip downtown was necessary. Uh, arbitration is uncomfortable. Um, if you have to go through that, it's an uncomfortable experience because all they want is is, is agreement and alignment. And, you know, you're trying to now go back through years and years and years of this relationship to try to figure out what to do, what to say. And they're like, do you want them on Tuesdays? Yes or no. And it's like, well, of course I do. But I mean, I don't know if I've ever had them all Tuesdays, you know, and, and everything you agree to, they document and it goes into the court documents. They draw it up. They send it to you. You sign it. And, and it's on the books. It's official. Um, so I would just encourage all men and or women who are in a position that um, where they need those boundaries set is to you know take a look at some of the other things you can do. If you have a willing and able parent that doesn't mind just doing a, a, a notarized agreement. Uh, that'll 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 provide some protection uh, for you um, and provide some boundaries. But ultimately, at the end of the day, um, the process is to go through court, set up custody, set up uh, child support agreement, all that stuff. That's really truly the process. And 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 the more comfortable you get with that process, uh, the better you'll be, because that ultimately, that ultimately is the law of the land. 
it'll it trumps everything. And I and I want to have the Trump card. No, no, no MAGA, right? I want to know that whatever I have and whatever I said and agreed to is what it is. Because outside of that, like if we're not playing by those rules, then I gotta play by other rules. Hmm. You don't want me to play by those rules. Hmm. Exactly. You know what I mean? Either we're gonna do what this document says, or I'm gonna do what I want to do. You don't want me to do what I want to do. Right. So let's just get that in place. Um, but but being all the information is on you know online, you know, that you can find. There are lawyers who will, you know, who will talk to you for you know not a lot of money to help get you. So there's help out there. Take the, take the steps to do it, get yourself some straightening and go from there. And I, and I think it's important. I think one thing that we don't talk about enough is that you have to know your rights. Yeah. Um, and I don't think enough of us know our rights. In the, in the beginning of me going through um, what I went through with my daughter's mother, um, I made it a point to read every book and, mm-hmm. and anything that I could get my hands on about knowing my rights. So like Abby said, that's how I found out like how to fill out those documents on my own. Right. So, you know, I didn't I didn't get a lawyer until I absolutely needed one. Right. right. I was 23 years old. I couldn't afford five thousand dollars every time right. you got to go. No, 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 no. I'm going to fill this yeah. stuff out myself. And then if I get it wrong, mm-hmm. let me know I got it wrong. I'll go back and fix it. I'll do this, mm-hmm. this, 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 this. And then when it's time to actually stand in front of a judge, then I'm going to have some representation. But before then, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to cut a corner. I'm trying to save a dollar, right? Yes. Um, but we don't know our rights. Like we don't know that we can do that. Right. We don't know that we actually have a lot of us. We have just as much right to the child as the next person, right? This is we we created this child equally. Uh, so I think it's important to know what our rights are. Tiff, you got a question? Yeah, I was just in here thinking as you all were talking. How many you know those of us on the call here? Like, do we talk to our partners at all? Like about like what our plans were to like parent this child, you know, whether we were with that person at the time of, of you know, procreation or not, like, just curious, like, were those conversations had? Because I know on my side, like, yes, we were in a relationship, but I don't know that we ever, like, truly had a conversation about, like, you, you mean know, that's how our kid, or if that's a good question, go, Tiffany. Yeah, things don't go that's a certain a- way. This is how we will, we would handle it. Because um, mm-hmm. I think yeah, about that's- what you're saying, Dion, like, yeah. you know, know our rights, but do we even like think about that beyond like the Cause, moment? Cause really that's, that's no. One actually, before even having to worry about knowing your rights is, can we just have a conversation that says if we were ever to split up, this is how we would handle it. That That's a conversation that would probably save a lot of people a lot of money and time, but you don't want to have those conversations because you don't want to talk about the alternative. You don't want to talk about a plan B. You don't want to talk yeah. about- People, people don't want to have those conversations because they're automatically offended. Well, what do you mean? You know, does it mean we're right. not going to be together? Are you going to break up with me? Are you trying to leave me? Are you trying to take half? That mind automatically goes to the negative instead of saying, hey, we need to prepare for this rainy day. And that's okay. Yeah. That's probably why I know that's why I'm in this you know, situation I am now. And I have kids with multiple men because I didn't have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And as soon as a child was was brought. The relationship was fine. Everything was fine. But as soon as that responsibility came, what you said, Carl, mm. the responsibility. Mm. Oh, I'm out. I can't, I can't most, do this. The most important word in parenting. Responsibility. Do we think that there's a between that, though, and like the stigmas we have around having all types of uncomfortable conversations? Like, you know, how do you handle death? And do you have like there's a lot of those types of conversations that seemingly if you think back, we just don't have. But even in even in even in having conversations with, let's say, like premarital counseling, they tell you to talk about like, what are your deal breakers? Right. Right. What are you going to do if you found out that 
your partner cheats on you? Are you automatically going to leave? Are you going to stay? Are you going to try to work it out? What if you what do you do if you find out your partner has a, a hidden bank account that you didn't know about? And they have five million dollars in there that they never told you about, right? Um, so those are conversations that, like you said, we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and having certain conversations, especially as older adults, right? And we're now we're we're all older, 35 and up, um, I would assume. Um, we have to start having conversations about like, like you said, like real life things, right? Especially in this age of, in this age of COVID, right? Like death is a thing. Um, I was having a conversation with, with, with a friend of mine earlier today and he, we were just talking about how, you know, he was planning on, on, on making sure that his children were straight. So he had a, a million dollar life insurance policy. So if anything ever happens to him, like he's, his, his kids are straight, they're not fumbling and mumbling, trying to figure out. What do I do? What am I supposed to do? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? So he's setting them up to be in a position to uh, to win if he's not here. But those are conversations that historically we as black folks don't always have. Um, and I think I this. Think, I'm sorry. Go, no, go ahead. Tiff. No, I was just going to say, I think it's interesting because I agree with everyone. But, you know, yes, these are difficult conversations. But at the end of the day, like we're talking about like lives. You know what I mean? Like, so oh, it to have a like go through a difficult or uncomfortable moment. And really talk this this out versus ruining or you know damaging these cha- these children um and what you know their lives could end up turning out to be just because we were under you know we were afraid to just be honest you know what mm-hmm. i mean or not mm-hmm. really sit down and think about okay what you know what impact is this going to have on our kid if we decide to go this route or you know vice versa so yeah it's 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 heavy and it's a lot but i think like as a people we just got to do better with just facing it right because mm-hmm. Like, like Carl said, like, it's not just that, you know, it's not just that question about like, oh, how do we parent or what happens if things don't go um, a certain way? But, you know, that's just life. Like things are always going to be hitting us in the face all the time and we got to be ready. And I think if we have those um, important conversations and those uncomfortable conversations early, then maybe we, you know, we don't have to kind of go down the, <laughs> these paths and um, deal with all this this tension, um, you know, that, that our children are basically going to kind of experience as they mm-hmm. grow up and hopefully won't continue as a as a generational curse but but could you know so, so. Let's, let's talk about the children's experiences i want to ask you to what do you all think the impact has been um if any on your children um having to have their parents not in the same household right whether the whether the relationship has been uh, uh stressful or or, or 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 toxic or whatever the case may be however the relationship is do you think that that has impacted the children? I do. I do because for one, you know, especially when parents aren't on good terms, guess what? They could be played against each other. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I go over to this house. It's fun over here. I ain't got no bedtime. I could do what I want to stay on my iPad for 10 hours. You know, I could do whatever I want. Then we come back to the structure and it's like literally having to retrain them all over again. Right. Then also, if you guys aren't on good terms and there's a lot of turmoil, like I said, you can't be played against one another. Well, my dad said this about you. My mom said this about you. Well, I overheard saying this about you. You know what I'm saying? So that's how they can be impacted. You know, I went through that with um, one of my son's fathers or whatever. You know, he heard a lot. He saw a lot when he was with his dad. Um, And then he basically, you know, told him, like, well, I stayed away because, you know, your mom was just an evil person. And we know that's not true. Like, tell your son the truth. But of course, you 
you want to paint me to be the bad guy because it benefits you. You see what I'm saying? So I had to sit down and have a hard conversation with my seven-year-old about custody and paperwork, et cetera. We, I had to talk to him about that because like that information, he was you know, taking it from his dad and it was being used against me. Um, so I think that's one way the kids are impacted, you know, um, they feel like they're over here and, you know, even with, you know, them dealing with like my boy, if I don't have to listen to him, he ain't my dad, you know, this tenant third or if the dad is saying something about the, the spouse or whatever that's in the household, it could just, it could just be very convoluted. So yeah, that's my take on that. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, when, when my kid was six, you know, I'll never forget having to, you know, explain to him that, you know, you know, dad is going to live in a different house and, you know, this kind of thing. And I'll never forget him saying, oh, so I get like, I'll have like two bikes and two toy boxes. Like he looked at it like, you know, like a child would, right? Not placing any blame or wrongdoing on anybody. He was just like, oh, so I could just have two of everything and I'll come to your house and come to mommy's. You know, he just didn't have a clue. You know, and uh, and he really bailed me out having that attitude. Right. Because had he taken it harder, I'd have struggled with that. But the fact that he was able to somehow find some silver lining, he totally bailed me out completely. Right. Because I was ill prepared for that conversation. Had it went a different direction. Um, I do that's feel awesome. like. How was that? I said, that's awesome. <laughs> he, 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 <laughs> You know, yeah, you know, he gets whatever he wants because of that. But um, <laughs> literally, uh, so, but um, it, you know, even by the numbers, you know, you think about how many dollars could have been invested into other things. You know, I don't know about anybody else, you know, and I'm not afraid to say it, you know, but I pay twelve hundred dollars a month in child support. Right. So when I think about, you know, all the dollars that, you know, do, they do currently go to his education. But just over time, like how that money could have been used to put him in a better situation in life. You know, had we been able to keep things together, I, there has to be an impact. Um, and when I look at him and academically how he excels and athletically how he excels, I often wonder if he has a chip on his shoulder. I'm not really sure how to ask him that um, because he does. He pushes himself hard. Um, and so I often wonder how much better he would have been had we been able to give him the home, stable home environment that all parents want to give their child, right? Or would it have had the adverse effect? You know, you just really don't know. He's turned out to be quite exceptional. And you never know whether or not that was just by design, right? Is that just by God's design? You know, he he found a way to use that as fuel to push himself. Um, that's a lot to put on a child. Um, and that not being able to give him the home environment that I also felt like I wanted, you know, as a child is by far my greatest disappointment in life. By far. Even if he turns out to be the most exceptional human being ever, I'm still going to regret that I didn't have the tools and the focus or effort to put him in the best possible situation that I could hmm. uh, as a, as a, as a parent and, and building a household for him uh, to again, break generational curses and do all these things that we want to do. I completely failed at that. So I think that's a good point you bring up Carl, um, because I feel like the conversation or the topic comes up a lot about this idea that, you know, two parent households, 
create the best circumstances for kids and you know all this other stuff um and i was i've always been of the belief like i'm not gonna stay with anybody if i'm unhappy because if i'm unhappy like there's no way that this is a good environment for my child right so i don't necessarily believe that you know if we if we were to stay together like things would be would be better right. so i'm you know so you when you say that you know it makes me wonder like would that have been the better circumstance for him is what he, if it's a monster what'd you say that what if is a monster. I mean, yeah, it is, I feel, I feel yeah. like I feel like you would rather have two happy, healthy parents in separate households mm -hmm. loving on the kid, Absolutely. like the way he's supposed to be loved, versus that kid witnessing abuse, verbal abuse, arguments, sadness, Even anger, cognitive dissonance. Two parents that are not connected in a loving way, right? Yeah. Even even if it's not abusive, just and kids like Dion's, the kids are picking, kids can pick up on that. Like you wouldn't believe. And I don't know, Doc, I think you told me that it was probably better that he grew up in two separate happy households than one maybe not. So I, you probably the one that told me that actually. Uh, so, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? You, know. you know what, though? Also, Carl, like what Tiffany just said, it's like, all right, we're going to, because you know, you have some people that say, okay, guess what? We're going to stay together for these. Right, three right. kids, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they stay together for the kids. Soon as the last one gets 18 is in college, they split so, up. Yeah. Guess what? That affects the kids more at mm -hmm. 18, 19, 20 years old because they feel like they their whole life was a lie. Mm -hmm. Right. So now it's like, oh, well, my mom and dad are not together anymore. Like they, they struggle because I, I see it all the time. They struggle because they feel like, well, dang, you guys really weren't happy. Like you just you did that for us. You wasted 20, 30 years of your life just to make sure we were raised in a household where, you know, we have both parents. So they feel guilty, right? Now, they yep. now they're guilty. Now they struggle with all these Survivors issues. They need this. Yeah. And I, I think as parents, I think one of our jobs is to raise children who don't need uh, to recover from, from their things from the, right things that they've experienced in their childhood that we could have changed, right? So I'll ask you too, what are some strategies that you all have put into place, whether it be therapy, whether it be conversations, whether it be uh, prayer and, 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 and your faith, but what are some, some strategies that you all have put into place to kind of, and, and I don't even wanna use the word protect because I don't know that we can always protect our children, right? Because the world is out there. I think we can prepare them. Um, but as much as we, we want to, I don't think we can always protect them. So what are some of the things that you two have done to prepare them for this reality of, you know, growing up? And, 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 and when I say growing up, I mean, growing up and realizing that they didn't have two parents in the same household. Right. Like I, I grew up with a with a single mom and my dad dying when I was 11 years old. My, he and my mom weren't together. But that's something that didn't affect me until I got into my 30s. And I didn't start to think about it until I got into my 30s. Like, damn, like, what if what if my pops would have still been around and I would have been able to have a real live relationship with him and and, and, and been able to, like, kick it with him like now or or or, 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 or how come I, I only really know when you look at it, I really only know one side of the story. That's my mom's side of the story. I don't know his side of the story. I know that he, you know, I know he used to drink. I know he used to get high, you know, but I also know that he loved his kids. But that's something that I, I I never got to have a conversation with him about, right? Yeah. Um. So so what are some of the things, some of the strategies that you all are putting in place to kind of protect, to help your kids protect their peace? Is actually the way I, the best way I want to put. How how are you helping them do that? Well, I think the, I think the biggest thing is uh, number one being you know open and transparent, you know, with them and to have those conversations with them and 
to make sure that they absolutely know it is not their fault. Your circumstances, uh, you know, as far as the way your home life is set up is a direct result of my failures to be a grown up, um, to have the tools to um, manage conflict and and be vulnerable, like all these things that, you know, people write books about. Yeah, I just didn't have them. I just didn't have them, you know, but I can make a baby, though. <laughs> I think I still can. I don't know. I'm getting old. We'll see. <laughs> you know, to make sure that he number one understands that it's not his fault, uh, but also to 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 expose him though, to continue to expose him just to the other things. You know, you know other. You know, I have so many friends and mentors and people who I look to who who are doing it well and and seemingly didn't have these tools either, but they figured it out. Um, and they did what needed to be done. Um, I think seeing those examples and being able to connect to those people, even outside of me, like my, all of my big bros and all these people, like my kid can reach out to them for advice without without needing to connect through me first. You know, I trust them to that level. Um, so just making sure that his village is one that is extremely supportive and 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 mirrors the life that. He, I would want him to have, even if I wasn't the one that provided it for him, making sure that he has plenty of examples of people to go to and to look at and to understand that he can have it, you know, despite my failures as a, you know, as a, as a co-parent or a parent, like you can still have this, you can still have this and, you know, whatever I can do to support you having it. Cause I'm not, you know, we don't have like this bitter situation. It's not, you know, it's not really like that. You know what I mean? He, he has a good mom. His mom is, you know, like an executive assistant of his life, you know, all of his doctor's appointments and all of his registrations. I mean, she just handles business. Uh, I don't particularly care for her, but she handles business. All I need to know, all I hear or get in my emails, this is what it costs and this is what it is. Do you have any objections? You know, so, so I also try to make sure that, you know, I let him know that, you know, relationships are complex and I can have respect and appreciation for your mom as your mom, but also maybe not one necessarily want to talk to her if we're in the same room either. Like those things can coexist. So don't look at one and, and and don't judge your mom based on how I feel about her. Your mom handles your business. She does. She takes good care of you. I will give her that. I'll give her that. So appreciate her for that. You know, understand that she works very hard to to make things happen for you. Uh, and you know, our our failure in a relationship is completely irrelevant completely irrelevant. Yeah, I'll say, I'll, just to piggyback what he said, same thing, transparency, um, being honest with these kids. Like I said, when those conversations, hard conversations came up, come up, have them regardless of how uncomfortable it makes you. Um, therapy, I've had to have a lot of therapy, not only for my kids, but for my childhood and trying to recover and trying to, kind of trying to navigate why some of the decisions was, was made when they were made, you know, and resolve trauma. Um, so I was able to get my boys some therapy as well and definitely prayer, right? I keep my boys covered, praying against like orphan spirits and things like that, making sure they don't feel like they're orphans, even though, you know, their dads are in and out and things like that. And Tanisha, you did that proactively, right? Yes. You know, therapy and, and, and you know, therapy is often used as the, the band-aid or fix to an issue that has now become unmanageable. 
Yeah. You know what I mean, like you don't have the tools to help your kid get past what this is and you put him in therapy. But the fact of the matter is that they should be in it all along, whether yeah. you have a happy home or not, whether you are a two parent household with a dog and a white picket fence. The fact of the matter is, like you were saying, uh, you know, Dion, this world is a crazy, crazy place. And what are we doing to prepare them for this crazy, crazy place that we live in? The best parents out there cannot prepare your child alone. And using therapy uh, to make up for not only your shortcomings, uh, but again, just to keep them um, ready and prepared for life because you can't be there every second. Like you said, you can't really protect them from everything. We like to think that we can, but it's a myth. You know, yeah. you have you have to have other tools in your toolbox and other resources that your child uses if you truly want to prepare them for not just like she said, your unresolved childhood traumas which we all have them, but also just those unknown things that the world presents, like to rely on yourself solely. I think you're doing your kid a disservice. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I always I say it jokingly, but I do mean it. Um, I always say, like, I don't want to be the reason my child goes to therapy. I want her in therapy for sure. But right. like, I don't want to be the reason. It's not the sole reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> so but I'm glad you all brought up the idea of this of the village, because when I think about my own situation, Yes, I would consider it a success, but I, I can't say that it would be a success without a village, right? Um, mm -hmm. Especially now with, you know, um, my daughter's father and I both are from Virginia, but like I said, he's now in D.C. I'm in North Carolina, but our like homes and our families, for the most part, are based in Virginia. So, you know, we're able to rely on, you know, them to, to really kind of help you know, support our co-parenting relationship, you know, so there are times when my sister comes in and she kind of acts as quarterback to, you know, a situation where I'm unavailable. Um, his his parents, you know, um, are really great and very supportive. Um, his sister comes in and she would just be like, nope, I want my niece for, you know, some days, like I need to spend time with them. And I think that really does help. And I think it also shows that, you know, it's not just mommy and daddy or mommy versus daddy, right? Like that mm -hmm. it's a whole village that's there to support her and make sure that that she's good, you know? So even though we are in another state, um, if she has an award ceremony, like family's gonna try to see if they can come. She had a play earlier this year. Like we <laughs> pretty much had the biggest, you know, she had the biggest support system in this, in this theater, but, you know, kind of having that village and knowing that, you know, there's other people there to kind of making sure that this thing works and that she feels like she has all the things that she needs. Because if I'm being honest, like I'm human, right? Like I can't give her everything. He can't give right. her every single thing. And we need those people to fill in the gaps and to really kind of push, you know, her forward or give her, you know, those those pieces that maybe I'm not able to do because what well, we all got our own stuff. We all got our own traumas and we all working through it, you know, ourselves and we do the best that we can. But recognizing that, you know, like that call to say, like, you know, there are people that she can reach out to that, you know, regardless if it's, you know, I'm present or not, like, who I know are going to have her back, who I know are looking out for her best interest. And I think that if possible, because I know everybody doesn't have that, but if possible, if you can create a village around your children um, to kind of support them, I think that also helps the co-parenting um, relationship as well. Yes. And 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 speaking of the village, I want to I want to take a, a a quick turn a little bit and, and and talking talk about you know sometimes a part of the village is someone who you may be dating or someone who you may be in a relationship with. Tiff, can you kind of tackle that and kind of and, and kind of lead the conversation since um, you all have such a great co-parenting relationship? You know, I'm going to be one hundred percent honest, right? Um, 
that probably has been the most difficult part of our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tadisha mentioned earlier, like, you know, I don't care if you moved on quickly. I did, to be honest, right? Like that was a big thing for me because he did move on pretty quickly. Um, and because she was so young, because we had been together so long, because she, our daughter didn't know anything different, right? Between like mommy and daddy, um, him moving on quickly, for me, I was, it made me nervous, right? Like, what do you mean? Like, can she get adjusted to the idea of mommy and daddy not being together? And now daddy living in another state before we introduce somebody else into the mix, right? So that was kind of my thing. Um, Granted, that was four years ago. Like I said, they're married now, they have a baby on the way. So it works fine. Um, He, you know, shared that information with me. So he told me when they were, they got engaged, he told me, you know, that, you know, they were expecting a a baby before, you know, telling my daughter. Um, So we, we have that. Um, Do I have a relationship with his wife? Not really, you know, but I know enough about her. I have her phone number. Like if I need to get in contact with her because my child is in their care, um, I have access to it. But for the most part, you know, and I know this probably sounds weird considering like the successful co-parenting relationship, but um, my daughter's fine, right? Like, I, you know, she's at a place and she's old enough to to tell me that, you know, I like her or this is, you know, how I'm feeling about, you know, this. We have those open, you know, and honest conversations. Um, I know that she is a, you know, professional, respectable woman. I know that she's not going to do anything crazy to my daughter. Um, and if so, I have access, right? So, um, so because I think that understanding has been, you know, set out, I don't think, you know, I don't necessarily have to be her BFF, you know, but he is, he's the person at the end of the day for me, like my co-parenting relationship with him, that's what's important and that's what matters. Um, and me knowing that when she is in their care, that she's okay, she's getting all the things that she needs. Um, and her, like I said, knowing kind of what um, the expectations are in terms of parenting and raising her are um, for his wife, her knowing that I think, you know, when our daughter is there, she supports that and she does her part as a bonus mom. But, um, but yeah, I don't necessarily have like a, like I said, we're not BFFs, but I think there's an understanding um, to so that our daughter has what she needs. Were you invited to the wedding? Absolutely not. <laughs> would you attend the wedding if you were invited? Say that again? If you were invited, would you go? Probably not. You're not pulling up. Okay, just checking. No. Just checking. Uh, Abby, what you think? Um, yeah, I think that I think that having that relationship um, with that, or for example, I, I think it's healthy. Like, like Tiffany, he, he told you like, Hey, I moved on. Right. You didn't right. like it, but he told you, cause he, guess what? He could have hid that. Um, I know when me and my ex-husband split up, um, my son was very, very young. He was nine months old. Mm, wow. And, um, he didn't tell me, you know, that's how I had to find out. Virginia police. Wow. Mm-hmm. They was calling me because, the girl had like knocked him upside his head. And my baby was there and they had to call me. I'm all the way in North Carolina. I swear to God, I got to Virginia in like two hours. That's unheard of. <laughs> unheard of, but I, I did it. Like, so that's how I put so be I'm saying I'm saying like I would have been thankful that he would have told me. So I'm like, okay, you know, somebody's around, etc. But I didn't he didn't give me, you know, what I'm saying that respect to even let me know he was kind of because we were still like technically married on paper and stuff like that. So of course he wanted to hide it and stuff like that. But I really feel like um, 
you know, a bonus parent is somebody extra to, to love on your child. You know what I'm saying? That's that's a part of the village. Um, I know my my seven year old's dad, he was engaged at one point. So he's seven now. Listen, the time he was engaged for two years, that's the most he saw his son because of that woman. She had my son more than he did to the point where he was so irritated. Like, that's our child. Mind your business. You're doing too much. Matter of fact, don't go pick him up unless you, you come through me moving forward. So it created a wedge between their relationship because everything that he had told her about me, she was starting to question like, hmm, right. maybe she's right. not such a bad person because yeah. because I'm trying to figure out, you know, and I, I didn't have to tell her anything. I was just like, hey, you know, see you guys are getting engaged, you know, you be around my son. All I ask is the discipline, keep that with his, you know, with the dad, et cetera. But me and her end up having a conversation. She ended up finding out who he really was, and they're not even married now. You know, she went her separate ways, and that was probably the best thing for her. Um, but yeah, like I was happy that he had someone that was holding him accountable. So like when they broke up, I was sad because I'm like, oh my god, and he went back right back to his ways. He started getting missing, etc. Like he does what he has to do because he's on paper now. He's actually like a pastor. So of course the custody holds him accountable. So he wants to make sure he's doing that because you know that's for another podcast, guys. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. the, the church folks podcast. Saved and sanctified. Church people churching. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it's that the extra person is is important, you know, caring for your child and stuff like that. Like I was actually happy she was good with him. He was so happy. Like he talked about her and everything. So you know, she was like, "Hey, you know, if you just need a break, call me. I'll come." Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. as parents we need breaks. So um, yeah, it was is a there, is, there, is there a time limit on when it is safe or when it is comfortable for your child to be introduced to someone that? The ex is dating? Like, is it, is it six months? Is it three months? Is it two weeks? Like, what does that look like? Um, I feel like I feel like you'll know. I don't think there's a time frame. I just feel like you'll know, like, as a parent. And sometimes we don't always get it right. But I feel like you'll know, like, okay, now is the time to introduce. But I wouldn't have, I wouldn't introduce my child in an intimate setting. I would first do, like, a park or maybe, like, a baseball game or something like that. And kind of just ease it in like that. But like I said, I don't think there's a time frame. I think you just you just know, you know, you might be in a relationship for three years, be single for 30 days. And then the Mr. Right or Mrs. Right comes in and then, you know, boom, they're in front of you. But of course, you have all these reservations because you're protecting this child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I personally don't think it's a time frame. I just feel like it's it's it's, it's that that gut feeling. You just you'll just know your discernment. Yeah. You gotta have discernment. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah that's that's a part of being a parent. And Carl, I don't mean to cut you off, but um, you're good. No, you're good. Huh? I was just thinking about like my own circumstance, right? Like I said, two months, he's talking about somebody new. And I was like, absolutely not. Right. And even though he didn't like it, he respected it. Right. And then probably mm, four or five months later, he came back and was like, okay, is now enough time? You know? And then I was kind of like, mm, let me meet her first, you know? And then, I mean, long story short, it ended up being probably a year later, just by circumstance, that that meeting actually um, that meeting actually happened. But even during that time, right, even though he wasn't happy with me about me kind of prolonging um, his, you know, now wife meeting our daughter, 
you know, I was fair and I, well, I thought to be fair in that conversation. I'm like, I know you're not like feeling me right now. However, you know, it's just because you moved on first, you know, but I don't know what that's going to look like on my side. So I'm going to give you the opportunity and I'm asking you like, what would be comfortable or what would you, you know, as her father, if I start dating someone, like what would be okay for you? And, you know, at that time he was, you know, he was like, honestly, like, I know you're not going to bring anybody crazy around our child. So like, I just trust, I just trust your judgment, you know? Um, so I was like, okay, you know, so now me being on the other side and me being the one that's single and dating, you know, I have to figure that piece out too, because as a single mom, especially now in a state where I don't really have like tons of family and friends around, mm -hmm. how do you date? How do you, you know what I mean? like when you're a single parent um, and not introduce your child, like how do you do that in a way um, that's safe and that, you know, is comfortable for everyone? Um, so I think, you know, like Tanisha said, it just, it depends and you kind of know. Um, luck, say luckily, but to some degree, because I interact with so many people in my 45 jobs that I have, right, <laughs> that she's always meeting people, right? So I think I, I'm, I'm able to kind of like cover it in a way so that even if she meets someone, she doesn't, she may not necessarily know that right. that's someone mommy's dating until later on. She's also older now, right? So she's coming to me like, do you have a boyfriend? You know, she's asking me those <laughs> questions. Like, so she does she's like, is that your boyfriend? When you get a boyfriend? So, which helps me because as a, as a mom, like that was always the part I was like nervous about. Like, how is she going to act if I, you know, get in a relationship with someone or start me dating or whatever. Yeah. So knowing that she's cool with it and, and actually wants it for me um, makes it a little bit easier. But yeah, you still have to make those decisions um, kind of based on your gut and just kind of go with it and not beat yourself up for it if it doesn't necessarily necessarily go the way yeah agreed yeah I think that's important I think because a lot of times again that's one of the things we don't think about like that's one of those conversations that uh, may not always happen in the beginning like if this don't work out what if I have to you know move on and right. you know I got something else shaking over here like when is it okay <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to <laughs> when is it okay to introduce right. you know to, to my new bae like that's just yeah. a conversation that that a lot of people don't have um but well, I think let us know what you think about that well I mean uh, you know Tiffany knows that this this and this is going to springboard us into that part of the conversation about um just how my relatively good co-parenting experience shifted, right? So obviously, you know, when me and his mom split up, you know, I'm classic baby daddy, right? I'm like, don't you have another man around my kid? Don't you handle, you know, I'm doing that whole thing, right? But I don't think she's actually complying, right? But I did tell her that. I mean, I'm not, and I was, and I was serious enough about it that I guess she actually was complying. I was like, don't you ever have another dude around my child? I don't care what the reason is. You know, I'll set it off. Don't play with me, okay? So then, he, but he's six, right? So still at a very impressionable age. He's not in a place where he can communicate to me freely. You know, there's all these things. Fast forward, he's 15 now, okay? And there's literally no communication that he really has to go through his mom because he has a cell phone. I mean, I'm just talking about whatever. But he's old enough and, you know, badass enough that, you know, something wasn't right. He's going he's gonna to say something and do something about it. So... I'm not thinking that that's still a thing, okay? I don't know that this is still this thing where, and, and, in, and in my mind, it was never two-way to begin with. It was, you don't have anybody around my child. I'm gonna do what I wanna do, right? Not fair. Right. Typical, the, typical, the, typical. The, the audacity. Yeah. So um, 
all of a sudden, I pop up in a real, <laughs> well publicized relationship, I guess. I don't know. Very. <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Yeah, sorry, Doc. But, um, and, and I've been dating all this time. And Trey's been around people that I dated, but not anything too, too crazy. And so all of a sudden, she takes issue with it. And I was like, it's been like 10 years. Like, what are you even talking about? Like, go sit down. Like, what are you what are you even tripping over? And she was like, I never have anybody around Trey and da-da-da-da. And my thought was, we had a schedule where we have them equal time. So you got plenty of time to go do your thing. And please go do it. Please. So I can stop subsidizing your life for you. Please go find somebody to be with. I pray. Okay. <laughs> Not thinking that he never really had anybody around him. And I'm just, you know, he go with me wherever I go. Right. So a little bit of unfairness there that I didn't actually realize was a thing. So then I guess she took his phone one night, which was an issue in and of itself. Because I pay for that phone. You don't take anything from him that you don't pay for. Mm. Where they do that at? Do they do moms? Is that a thing? I don't know. Somebody educate me. But I'm just, I didn't understand it, right? And and our thing has always been like, if he needs discipline, you come to me, I'll discipline him. Okay. And then that'll be that. Don't take stuff from him. Don't, you know, don't, you know, definitely don't put your hands on him. Right. You don't be spanking my baby. I don't play that. But, um, but you I can? guess, you, huh? But you can? When he was little, yeah. When oh, he was yeah. Now, like, you know what I mean? Like, I hadn't spanked him in years, and you better not spank him either. That's always been my thing. But anyway, she takes his phone, she goes through his phone, and me and my now ex and her daughter, we had a group chat where we would just throw like TikToks and stuff in and that kind of thing or whatever. So she sees that and realizes that's a thing. And so she hits me up and was like, I need to meet this new chick that apparently you have our child around. And I was like, I had our child around a lot of chicks, but Jeez, Louise. Oops, oops, my bad. Um but she, you know, I didn't like the way she approached it because I literally said, that's cool. How about I take y'all to lunch tomorrow? I was going to take everybody to lunch, let them do whatever it is y'all do when y'all get together. Yes, girl, and all that kind of stuff. I was going to let them do that. Yeah, yes, and all that, whatever. Um, <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. And I was like, that's cool. Let me know. We'll get to lunch. Y'all can meet. She then, because she had his phone, then find my ex's number and text her directly and was like, I've, you know, apparently you've been around my child and I need to meet you. And she started just doing really weird out of character stuff. Flag on the play. I spazzed. I spazzed. Technical foul. Technical oh, foul. Oh my God. And, and, you know, she, again, boundaries, boundaries, right? She did that and I lost it because it created, now, now it created conflict between me and her because here, I am. I told her that we get along fine. I don't have baby mama drama. Like his mom was a great mom, and now his mom was acting like a complete fool, right? But I, you know, I what I lost sight of was that number one, that's a continuous conversation you're supposed to have. I had stopped investing in anything related to how we manage because I felt like our system was strong enough. But this is one topic we didn't breach, and I kind of took my eye off the ball. And it caused a massive issue, um, which is what actually propelled us into actually going through the court system now. That was the catalyst for that. I said, let me be clear. 
I will pay any amount of money to make sure that you don't feel like at any point you can step in, number one, and tell me to do anything. You know better than that. But you're crossing boundaries that may or may not have been there. But we're going to put them in place now. And they're going to be hard boundaries. Right. Uh, which ultimately, you know, I don't know that that's what she was going for. And I don't know that it worked to her advantage, but that's where we are now. So that's how I actually got from what seemingly was a really good co-parenting relationship to this court mandated paperwork driven relationship, which we never had before. I mean, she'd call me and, you know, she mentioned her tires on her car when, you know, didn't pass inspection. I'm like, take it to my guy. He'll put tires on it. Like that was always our thing. You know, I felt like that was my responsibility is to make sure that they were good collectively so that he could benefit from that. And it didn't matter. It wasn't it wasn't on paper. So all of those dollars I spent all the time I spent helping her move, you know, helping her get a bird out of her house one time when a bird was going crazy in her house. All that stuff means nothing. So that, means is that paperwork. So let me ask this that Carl's last few moments of, 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 of conversation made me think about something. Um, the, the relationships between co-parents can be extremely stressful at times, right? For a lot of us. How are you all managing the stresses that come along with being um, a co-parent? And like, how, how are you coping? Like, what are you all doing for Drinking. self care? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Casa <laughs> <laughs> huh? What are you all doing for <laughs> healthy ways to <laughs> To, to 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 cope with some of these stressors that come along because again I've been through it. I went through I was 14 years strong. I'm I'm talking about when I would when I would look at the phone and I, I would see that name my heart would start racing. Boom, 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 that anxiety right? is real. Anxiety is real. So and, and and at the time I didn't have the healthiest ways of of coping with those things. So you know, we, we're, we're all adults here. We're all living in, in this country where we got bills, we got jobs, we got all the other things that are going on in our lives. Yes. And I think having a a, 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 a very uh, rough co-parenting relationship only adds stress to that. So what are some some things that you all are doing personally um, to, to, to handle the stress that can come along with it? Because, again, y'all like we all got key, like even, you know, with COVID and, you know, it's, it's just different, man. Um, so how are y'all handling that? I think you should answer that, Dion. How are mm -hmm. you going to come? Oh, I go to therapy every two weeks. I mean, listen, yeah. listen. So, yeah, I, 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 talk, I talk to my therapist every two weeks. She's one of my favorite people in the world. Without her, I don't know where I would be right now. I just, I, I told her just last week, I said, yo, when I started coming to you almost two years ago, I was in a super dark place. Um, and this has literally saved my life, right? Just because I don't know where I would have been. I was depressed. I was suffer for, still suffer from anxiety, like all of those things that when I look back at it, the foundation of that thing comes from the fact that I was going through so much to just see my daughter, right? Yeah. I was having to go through so much. There was so much pain and it's so much trauma that's associated with being a black man and going to a courtroom and standing in front of a judge and telling this judge why I'm fit to be in my daughter's life 50% of the time, right? And, 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 and talking to these people that don't look like me, don't talk like me, don't sound like me. And I'm explaining to them, I'm 
like why I have to, I, I need to be here, right? So a lot of the depression and the anxiety and the sadness that I felt in my life stemmed from from that and from that situation, right? And I wouldn't have been able to come to grips with those things if I were not in therapy. If I, if she would let me come see her every week, I'll be there every week. But now I'm there every two weeks because her schedule is so full. But that, that for me, and just really, really thinking and processing like the decisions that I'm making now are for these babies. Like the things that I'm doing is for these babies. So I have to make sure that I am being my 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 my, my true and authentic self at all times, right? So I can't I can't present myself as being happy around my kids when I know that I'm not, right? When yeah. I know that I'm 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 going through something, I have to be able to to make mental health and make these mental health conversations um, real. And so Don't because when they get out in the world that too Ooh, just the normalization, the normalization and the socializing of that mental health mm-hmm. thing that you're doing for your kids so that mm-hmm. they don't look at that as being something you do when something's wrong yeah yeah it's yeah. something you do because you just need to do it yeah. i've never seen anybody in my family go to a therapist unless it was some something that was tragic happened mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. it wasn't just what they were doing for preventative maintenance right mm-hmm. they weren't so showing them that is probably the most powerful thing you're doing for them yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to you have to show them because when they get out in the real world, they have to have the tools to uh, mm-hmm. live their lives and to adapt in this world that's totally different from the world that we four grew up in. Right. Okay. So there's a post COVID world that our kids are going to be living in once COVID is totally over. It's going to be totally different than the world that they were living in before COVID. Right. Which was totally different than the world that we grew up in. So we three times removed from where we were in the 90s. Like I read read something super crazy. I read something super crazy the other day that said kids that are born in 2020 and and afterwards are actually they have projected that these kids will grow up with somewhat of a developmental delay mentally and uh and and because because number one, everybody's wearing masks, so they miss facial cues. Mm -hmm. They're gonna miss out on being able to identify facial cues. They're also going to miss out on hearing people clearly, which is going to delay their ability to speak clearly. Um, but th- just that kind of social ability to watch facial expressions, they're actually going to grow up in a world where they don't have as much access to that as we did pre-COVID. And it's going to impact them, you know, their ability to be social, which is going to in turn you know, create a psychological, create a psychological challenge because they're not going to have the same social skills. Right. So they're going to have to have these other tools in their toolbox to just be social just because they can see people's mouths. Mm-hmm. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I mean, my nine-year-old told me, she's like, I'm socially awkward. Like, she recognizes that she is not the same kid she was pre-COVID, oh, you know? And then we That's why they needed to go back to school. I yeah. really think they needed to go back to school because I'm like, these computers all day, like, them trying to learn, like th- there was a decline with the schoolwork and the grades, and right. it was a lot. These kids That's are having to endure. They're not talking to other kids, like right. in the world. And think about the fact that the majority of our communication is nonverbal, right? Mm-hmm. So if half of that is is going to be Covered obstructed up, right? by a mask or these glass, wow. you know, partitions. Mm-hmm then yeah their communication skills and their socialization skills are going to go down the toilet you know like it's going to be hard 100 so that need to have these other tools whether it be you know therapy um not just emotional therapy but even just you know the, you know, therapy on how to be more social and, and right. which those things are going to have to be infused into the mm-hmm. normal everyday life of these kids or they're going to fall behind. This next generation of kids, they're going to suffer 
if we as the parents don't, number one, identify that and find ways to, to, to counter it. And I think it's an important conversation to have with the co-parent, right? Because especially if the kid is with one parent more so than the other, mm -hmm. of course, the, the, the primary or custodial parent will see things that the other parent may not, right? So make sure that we're having those conversations to be like, okay, she acting a little weird or he's doing something a little mm -hmm. different. Um, pay attention to that when they're with you. or You know what I mean? Or let's talk about our strategy for kind of mitigating that so that it's just not happening 50% of the time. Or if you can't talk to each other, then how are you even going to share these things with each other that may be critical to your child's mm -hmm. growth development because you won't even talk to each other. Right. And that's coming from the person that makes his baby mama email him. So that's real though. So so and I wanna I want to start putting a button on this. Tiff, did you have did you want to ask any other uh uh questions? Uh um, any other line of questioning anything you want to touch on? We kind of touched on a lot of stuff already. Um no go ahead. Okay, so so I'll ask this. Let's start with uh, Carl. I want you to kind of what are some lessons that you've learned, not just from this conversation, but lessons that you've learned in your co-parenting journey that you can share with someone who may be struggling um, with their current relationship with their co-parent? Um, and, and, and what tips would you give them that they can that they can take away from this? First and foremost, um, drop 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 the pride, drop the machismo drop all that. I spent so many years trying to be that guy that, you know, I'm sure that I wasted critical years in developing a more uh, positive and productive relationship with her just being her baby daddy and acting crazy. Right. Drop, drop that fellas and drop that, you know, and I'm going to speak from the fellows perspective. Um, you know, understand that um, that relationship that you have is often the model for what your child's going to understand. Mm -hmm. You have to take yourself out of that situation and figure out, even in separation, how can I create a model relationship for my kid to look at and be able to pull positive things out of so that he can so they can be better than what we were. I mean, if, if the relationship that you have with, you know, your your co-parenting partner uh, gives no value to your child, gives your child nothing to pull from, then you're just absolutely just doing them a disservice. So, you know, the ego thing and all that stuff, you got to kind of strip that all away. And again, just focus on uh, making sure that your child has positive examples and sees positive interactions. You know, today at my son's soccer game, like me and his mom don't really cross paths a lot. Um, but we were able to cross paths today and, you know, crack a couple of jokes. We pulled, you know, we kind of did the thing that you did because our, our prior interactions over the last six months have been either court mandated or extremely awkward. Today actually was kind of normal. It was, you know, a couple of little jokes here, you know. Maybe this is the day that everything changes. This, it, I, had a, I had a Showtime day, right? <laughs> I had a Showtime day where I didn't necessarily not want to be there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and it was his soccer game. It was down in um, Lyman, South Carolina, which is down by Spartanburg, Greenville. Um, really good game. Some of his friends came. So it was just a positive environment. And although I know he was focused on the game, I also know that that matters to him because normally her I sit at one end of the parent parent of parent row and she's <laughs> at the other. You know, with our lawn chairs, right? We keep, you know, at least six or seven parents between us. Looking crazy. Uh, right, just looking crazy for no reason. Um, but today we actually sat next to each other along with his uh, his friend's mom and, and those folks. And, you know, we're able to really kind of be his village for the first time in a while. 
Um, so understanding that that village that you create for your child that we talked about earlier, it has to include the other person. Yeah. And I, you cannot create a village without them. It's just not going to work. So find a way to create a village that works um, and makes that person feel like they are a part of it and that they have a say in it and that they're welcome. I have done a poor job of that over the last six to nine months. Today may have been my showtime day where there was just enough um, of that to make me go, okay, I can redirect my energy in a more positive way um, and try to keep building that village uh, that I know he deserves. So just make sure that you understand that you cannot build a successful village for your child without that other parent, especially if they want to be present, you know, if they're there uh, to be present, you got to include them. And I think it's important to understand that as parents, each day that we wake up is a new opportunity to change the things that we may have gotten wrong the day before. Right. Each day that we wake up is a new opportunity for us to change what we have done. Abby is yawning. She got five boys. So we're going to go ahead and see her. <laughs> I know they didn't broke her down. What yeah. We had football today, so we had to travel for football. She tied. All right, go ahead. And drop it on. What are you? What are some 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 things that you would uh, you would say to some folks who might not necessarily have the best um, co-parenting relationships? What tips would you provide? Yeah, I'm going to go on the opposite side of him, you know, where they are successfully co-parenting. If you're not even successfully co-parenting, but you have a desire to keep your hands clean, you know, don't say bad things about the other parent in front of them. Be optimistic and prepare your child. You know, eventually maybe that other parent will come around. You know, you want them to be able to um, draw their own perception of who their, their that, that parent is, you know. So I just say keep your hands clean and just be positive. That's good. That's good. Tiff, what you think? I'm going to close this up. Yeah. One thing I, that comes to mind um, as you all were talking was this idea of like choosing your battles, right? Like I think there's mm. so much to sift through, right? Because of this old relationship and, you know, the kid and, you know, where I'm doing now and what they're doing now, all that stuff, right? And there's so many things that we can, we can bicker about, we can fight about, we can go to war about, right? But choose those battles. Like, is it really important that, you know, I make this difficult for the other person? Is it, you know what I mean? Like, is that going to, you know, be in the best interest of our kid? Is that going to be in the best interest of me? Like that's right. energy that I put in, you know, to, to go through whatever it is. So um, I would just say, choose your battles for sure. Uh, I mean, I echo everything that Carlin and Tanisha said already. Um, but, you know, if, if you have a willing, you know, partner, don't don't create you know mm. obstacles or, or challenges that are unnecessary because you you know what I mean like you're not hurting anybody but your child if you claim mm -hmm. to love them and want to be there and, and create a life for them that's that's you know special and, and and shows them that they're important in this world like don't even do that you know what I mean like there's so many things that we can be investing our energy in of course our child being one of the our children being um, one of the most important but like just pick your battles and, and don't put energy into something that's really not going to benefit you or your child or children because it's just it's not going to help anybody and it's just going to create more angst in a situation that's already kind of not necessarily ideal to begin with. So, you know, kind of use the resources that you have, the tools that you have, the village that you have to just make it the best circumstances for circumstance for everybody that's involved. Yeah. And I, I would think the, the gem that I want to drop is just to say that for anyone who is going through it with a co-parent and things are not going the way that you think they should like think about, 
the future and don't necessarily think about what's happening in the moment, right? Because sometimes we get so caught up in what's going on in this moment, I'm how they made me feel in this moment, what she said, what he said, right. what she did, what he in this moment that we forget that this ain't gonna last forever, right? And 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 I'm again, I'm living proof. Fourteen years, like it don't last forever. Yeah. Um, and the stresses that come along with it, a lot of times it don't even be worth it because if you were to choose your battles, right, then you wouldn't have to worry about having this sort of stress. And, and, and just sometimes you got to let them have it and say, all right, right, you got it. Like, I'm not going to, I ain't going to fuss with you. I ain't going to fight with you. <laughs> I, I, you got it. <laughs> like you got it. Like I can't, I ain't, I don't have it in me right. to go back and forth with you. Right. Because I, I, I have to preserve my mental health to be sure that I'm at my best for my babies. Right. Because I don't want my children seeing me all down and low and low energy and can't get it together. And my mental health is down when they come around and they, I can't play with them. I can't take them outside because I don't feel like it. Nah, I got to be at my best. And they have to see me uh, uh, ready to, 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 to give them everything that they need. Right. So, you know, just understand that this, you know, this this time period that that, that you might be going through, it don't last forever. And some stuff just ain't worth fighting for. But you have to pick your battles. And at the end of the day, you got to know um, that it's all about the babies. So just real quick, y'all, tell them how they can follow you all on social media. Um, I know, Abby, you got books to push. Uh, promote yourself, whatever you got going on. Yes, I a copy of that book, Abby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, my handle, my IG handle is at I am Tanisha. Um, and my books are on Amazon. I have one called God Co-Parenting, and I have a series I'm writing about my life. Um, it's going to be eight books total. I only have about two now. The third one is dropping in 2022. So it's called The Shameless Plug, The Curse of My Father, where I pretty much talk about my life and all the decisions I made as an adult um, because I didn't have my father and, you know, generational curses and, and things like that. So it's, it takes you on a journey. So yeah, I got you. I got you. We'll have you back on the show to talk about that, because I think it's important to talk about the father daughter relationship. Uh, so if that's something that we've discussed before, right. um, I think that's a very, very important topic. So let, let's let's plan to have you back on the show to discuss that. Uh, okay. Carl, tell them how they can follow you and tell them how they can get at you. Uh, and, and Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm on Instagram at Carl, K-A-R-L, Macklin, M-A-C-K-L-I-N, Jr., uh, so at Carl Macklin Jr., I'm in the Black uh, Black uh, People Parenting Group. So one of the one of the, uh, one of the uh, uh, original members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl was yeah. one of the only fifty of us. Exactly. Yeah, and now y'all are what 20, 30, We close to five thousand. We close to five. Listen, I'm and like, I'm like, I'm like, what is happening? Every time I go in there, it's like introducing new members, and it's like a hundred of them. I'm like, oh my god. But I love it. That's super duper exciting. So I'm I'm there if anybody wants to hit me up. I do want to say because I realize both of you said that you moved to Raleigh as 919's very own. Okay, <laughs> the prodigal son. I hope that the city is treating y'all well. Uh, hopefully, the next time I'm in town, uh, we can all get together. And uh, I didn't know that you were from here, Carl. I'm I'm, I'm 919's very where, own. Where are you located now? Uh, I'm in Charlotte. Yeah. Okay. Charlotte. Okay. Okay. I never knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah Carl moved. took me on a little a little tour of, of yeah, the welcome. yeah, the welcome, the welcome to the city, the welcome <laughs> to the city tour. So I hope the city is showing y'all a lot of love. If you're from the Raleigh area, y'all show them love. Um, but yeah, it's good to know that y'all are local and I'm definitely looking forward uh, uh to catching up with y'all uh the next time I'm there. I tend to get caught up with my mama don't be want me to go see nobody. <laughs> I come into town and she just think I gotta be with her all the time. I'm like, Well, I got friends, I got people that I want to know about that. She don't want me to go see nobody. She don't want me to have no friends. She don't care about that. Uh, but I'm going to pull away from that the next time and make sure that we can all kind of connect. And, and that kind Let's of do it. So, 
Very bad. Are you in Raleigh too? Man, he failed. I'm in Raleigh. You everybody in Raleigh? Everybody in Raleigh. I'm just gonna move back to Raleigh. I'm just gonna move back then. If all my people's there, I'm just gonna move back. And I and I'm so called a writer on that, but I'm not. Yes, I was also a writer. I didn't realize we had two writers in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to this and more content. You guys have a a cool and very uh, very much needed platform here. So kudos to all. Thank you all for being part of the village. It's been a joy. It's been super dope. And uh, we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Black People Parenting, the podcast. Peace. See, I told you it was a super dope episode. Huge shout out to Tanisha. Huge shout out to Carl for making this episode happen. And also super shout out to you for listening. Make sure you follow us on all the platforms and all the spaces at Black People Parenting. Join the Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on LinkedIn. We are at Black People Parenting everywhere and also make sure you hit the like button make sure you hit the subscribe button if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts, leave us a comment leave us some love and just let all your friends know about this black people parenting movement and we will catch y'all on the next episode